ask about is why Goku was there. Why is it whenever any nerds get together on the internet, eventually Goku just materializes? Why is that, Evan? Because <laughs> Goku's your best friend. pre-recorded during the coffee cup exhibition tournament this is this is a cultural event a blaseball recap podcast i'm your host evan saft my pronouns are they them joining me as always is your other host eli hello everybody my name is eli lee my pronouns are also they them eli are you ready to talk about some blaseball I have never been more ready to talk about some baseball. It's season three. That's my favorite number. Yeah, three. It's a good number. It's a strong number. It's one of, it's actually my lucky number as well. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But season three, we'll see if this is a, if this is a lucky season for baseball overall. Because going into season three, the original subtitle of season three is Peanut Plague. As you might have recalled, in the Season 2 election, the two decrees that passed were Fourth Strike, which let some uh, some of the lower-ranking teams have another chance at bats, and, of course, Peanuts, which we didn't quite get into the effects of until the start of this season. I know that they're very high in protein, but that's about it. They are high in protein and high in chaos, as we'll see. The first thing to bring up is go, let's go to the, the thing that we're used to first, which is weather. Um, we see two new weather patterns during this season, replacing, or not replacing, but adding to the previously only established weather condition of solar eclipse. Uh, the two new weather patterns are peanuts and birds. Birds. I, we- <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing that I find funnier than collective nouns being used inappropriately. <laughs> and the weather being birds is, I think, the prime example of that. It is a strong sentence. It is a sentence I have uttered several times. Tippy Hendren hates this game. <laughs> they should be afraid. But yes, peanuts and birds. Birds mostly just establishes a uh, an amount of... We'll say foreboding because we see various messages with games involving birds, but no actual mechanical effects at this moment. We'll see it happen later as we've brought up, but nothing in this season. We see peanuts, uh, the weather effect. Occasionally, players will pick up stray peanuts and eat them, having either an allergic or yummy reaction. Players, of course, having allergies, possibly, which will respectively lower or raise their stats. And yummy and allergic are the two most notorious reactions one can have to peanuts. I think they're the only reactions you can have to a peanut. Like, I think, I feel like we've maybe brought this up, but I don't feel like anyone is just meh 
about Peanuts. You're either all in on Peanuts or you're like, this is gross. It re- really, I think that Peanuts might be the most inoffensive of the legumes. I think that Peanuts might be the only member of that family where it's possible to like either take or leave them. I'm thinking edamame. Like, particularly if you're not getting it like at a sushi place, you know, just- Yeah, no, that's true. If you just if you just have plain soybeans, I love them. I love soybeans, but I feel like some people are like, mm, "What's this? It's a, it's a, it's a bean, but soy? What? What the hell?" It's lightly salted, and it came out in front of my sushi, but it's not sushi. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, the peanut plague also has a couple other odd effects. The second is that it is affecting the roster. As we see that all players named either Dan or Daniel, with their first name being Dan or Daniel, have that Dan replaced with Peanut, leading to the rise of Peanut Holloway, Peanut Bong, and Peanut Old Duffy. I think I went to college with a guy named Peanut Bong. <laughs> I think I think you went to college with someone who had a Peanut Bong. <laughs> But yes, the three Peanuts show up. We again uh, know they'll feature prominently later. And the third effect of this Peanut Plague is that we see that Peanuts are now available for purchase in the store. Uh, This seems to be in random amounts for players, but it's always at a one-for-one cost. One to the amount of Peanuts to the amount of coins that they cost. Once you've bought these Peanuts, you can eat the Peanuts by clicking on your Peanut count. Now, additionally, beyond this you can purchase a squirrel of devouring to increase the rate at which you eat peanuts. So if if you bought a squirrel of devouring, you could click once and eat two peanuts rather than click once and eat one peanut. It's true. Squirrels have those busy little hands, so they can open them a lot quicker than humans can. Yes, yes, yes. And we should note something, a rule that exists in the book of Blaseball at this moment or at this moment in time, which is section 5, subsection E, if at any time redacted, a tone redacted, one million peanuts. So, just going at where we stand at the start of this season, clearly something is going to happen when something happens with one million peanuts, Given that there are mechanics around eating peanuts, you might think that it's when we're going to eat one million peanuts. And given that you have both something that is based on the rate at which you click and something that increases the your rate for how many times you click, you'd think that we have some kind of cookie clicker coming up, some sort of cookie clicker on our hands. And that's what might have been planned. Except. Except that on day two... Play stops, and the site goes down. Great. The umpires announce on Discord, There are peanut cheaters among us. The site will not return until the peanut cheaters have repented. And are we sure that peanut cheaters isn't just, like, a new team in baseball? You know, it could happen. We've not seen any new teams at this point in baseball, but the Peanut Cheaters do not appear to be a new team. The games stay off for the following hour, at which point the umps post again. The cheater did not come forward, but baseball is inevitable. The baseball gods will remember this. 
So season three of Blazeball is when they introduce the subtweeting mechanic is what you're telling me. <laughs> is it? I mean, is it subtweeting if you, you would at the person you just don't know who they are or like they're not on Twitter? Like if I was, if I wanted to tweet at famed recluse J.D. Salinger, right? And was like, hey, J.D. Salinger, catcher in the rye sucks balls, right? Well, that's not a subtweet. That's a call out. Well, right. I've... They're the same family, but it's a different concept. Right. So I think this is a call out. It's just that they couldn't directly mention the person because they weren't aware of who it was. Well, no, but directly naming the person makes it a call out. I see. I see. So they're not they're not naming names. So this is kind of like a passive aggressive subtweet. Well, unless their name is Peanut Cheater. That's true. Pull the birth certificates. <laughs> So, starting on day four, play continues, except partway through, play stops again. The umps release the message, more peanut cheaters. Goodbye. So then they flounce. The site is replaced by the icon of a spinning peanut with the word blasphemy written in red text underneath. My, my question for you regarding all this is like, mm -hmm. so I'm against, against my will have been familiarized with baseball at least partially. What do you think would be the average layperson's reaction if you like just pulled them into a room that had a large monitor displaying the website with just a rotating peanut with the words blasphemy blinking over it in red text. Do you think they would consider it to be like an installation art piece or would they just absolutely like immediately call the cops? You know, I thinking that like the layperson would think that you're just oh, like you're just someone who's learning uh jQuery for the first time. Like you're learning how to rotate elements on on your on your website and you're having a funny face. I can tell you that the reaction of the baseball community was confusion and panic. Oh, I imagine that it was it was digital pandemonium. There was much confusion to be had. Added in part to this, in that beyond these two things, the blasphemy and the spinning peanut, it is discovered that there is hidden text on this screen reading J H F M T O J M N P S M L M D G F O S E Z D T M J W H P A D A A C G R T. The shittiest acronym ever. You know, you're you're not far off. Uh, because while there's some amount of attempting to be cracking this as if it's some sort of cipher, what is realized is that these are the combined initials of all players who have been incinerated so far. Jimmy and the Hot Dog Fingers, Fitzgerald Macy, Jenna Maldonado, Tyreek Olive, Nora Perez of Scrap Morphe, Lars Mendoza, Sosa, Elf Tower, Dickerson, Greatness, Famous O'Connor, Trevor Merritt, Z, Delacruz, Jesse Wise, Hurley Pichero, Alexander Dracarna, Alden Anthony, and Cedric Gonzalez, making up that list. Distressingly, however, while this is going on, because this blasphemy screen remains for several hours, we see that there are more initials added to this, implying that Blazeball is continuing. We have just not been allowed to access it, and that incinerations are still continuing. So just be this is like the this is like the fucking strategy that like 
first grade teachers use on their students when one of them is eating paste. It's like, oh, one of you is eating paste, so now none of you get to see the human incinerations that are happening in the sports game. Also, no paste for any of you. Also, no paste for any of you, which is fucked up. I was waiting for permission to eat the paste, <laughs> Mrs. Woodashek. <laughs> it smells faintly of mint. What were you expecting me to do? <laughs> I mean, you have two options. Eat it or, you know, do the thing where you just pour it on your hand and then peel it off. Continuing on our theme with peanuts and edamame, paste is also a <laughs> snack. That's an activity. So, at this point, since since this blasphemy is, is going to last a little bit, I feel like I should talk a little bit about how the blasphemy actually happened. So... This is this is a little bit based on my own knowledge. This is a little bit based on hearsay. There is not a clear timeline or a clear method of this, but what it seems like is that, and this is where we're going to get into a little bit of technical talk, so at this point, feel free to ask me questions, because this is actually stuff I know a decent bit about, because what it seems like is that the server calls that the Blazeball website was making to the Blazeball server, they were doing a bit too much on the front end. Basic rundown of how a website typically works for you and for our listeners. A sub-lesson for our listeners and yes. a podcast within a podcast. <laughs> this is this is Evan's real-life job. <laughs> so, you have, for a website, if you have any centralized data... Which, you know, Blazeball would, because it has all the player records, it has all the teams, it has, you know, everything that's going on. It has a server, and that is either just, that's, you can basically consider that to be one instance. You know, that's not spread around. They're, the actual front end, the website that you see when you go to Blazeball.com, is a individual application that is running and making what we call rest calls, in this case, to the server, basically instructions saying, hey, I'm doing this, you should do this, right? Mm -hmm. However, with how rest calls work, there isn't really something defining that this is coming from your browser, you know, blazeball.com, you're going into Chrome, Firefox, or whatever, mm -hmm. and you can pretty easily replicate calls to the server... And what we find out is that the calls that are being made to the server, rather than... This is where we step back a bit. When you're buying peanuts from the store, rather than your front end saying, hey, this person is buying X amount of peanuts, and then the server saying, great, let me check and see if they have enough money for that, and let me go ahead and decrement the amount of money that they have and increase the amount of peanuts that they have. Instead... What the front end is doing is making two calls, one where it says, decrement the amount of coins that I have, and the other where it says, let me increase the amount of peanuts that I have. Which means that if you're a little bit computer savvy, you can just send that one message saying, increase the amount of peanuts that I have, and give yourself, as has been recorded, over one million peanuts. So what you're telling me is that somebody actually created a hack for infinite peanuts. Yes. Yes. This is actually a very interesting case of the explosive popularity of Blazeball because it's kind of, it honestly being bug tested in real time because it's exposing a security vulnerability 
not to the degree of, you know, lost passwords or anything, but generally, if you have something that's kind of integrated into player mechanics as being able to increase and decrease the amount of money or resources that you have, you typically want the server to be doing that and not the front end. You want that to be entirely the server saying, let me, let me check if this is an okay transaction to make. And if it isn't, I'll reject it. And if it is, I'll perform it. It generally shouldn't be the front end performs a transaction and says, Hey, server, record this. So again, baseball was not intent, was, was not thought it was going to be this big, this fast. So when you have thousands of people, many of which have some experience with, you know, tech, suddenly finding ways to exploit your system, stuff like this comes up. Anyways. Hours later, Blazeball returns. The blasphemy screen disappears and we see our site as usual, except that there are a couple changes. The first of which is that the Peanut Plague subtitle has been replaced instead by the word uncertainty. We also see that Peanuts, while they still remain in the store, are only purchasable in a pack of one million, which means it's, oh, no. it still costs one million coins. Uh, that is, quite frankly, a extremely unre- like, a, 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 just to give reference for anyone who is not familiar with the economy of baseball, that is a, an extremely unattainable amount of money. Doing, like, some quick armchair math, if you somehow, your, your maximum bet, uh, at this point in time is 800 coins. If a game had 50-50 odds, you would win twice your bet. If you somehow managed to completely forego all sleep and all probability and managed to bet and win on all 990 games of a season, you would get 1.5 million coins. So, technically, technically possible, but not actually going to happen. No one is going to accumulate one million coins over the course of the season. Although, if there is one fandom that I think would be able to do it, I would suspect it's the Blaze. I believe the highest number of coins we have seen accumulated in a single season is around 800k at this point. So, there's one more change that happens, which is that the book is updated... And section 5, subsection G, which previously read sportsmanship, sportsmanship redacted, is unredacted to read sportsmanship, sportsmanship is dead. That's probably fine. Yeah, you know, nothing. That's something, I I had a similar thought when I was playing peewee softball and my rival from the other team, the Pink Flamingos, did not shake my hand after a game. Well, I mean, they were too busy thinking about not watching the John Waters movie? Is that Pink Flamingos? Well, we, well... It is. We were also in third or fourth grade, so I can't imagine that they were thinking about it. Well, that's it. why they were so messed up and wouldn't shake your hands. That's true. The flamingos, too big to shake hands with the penguins. <laughs> All these waterfowl. Lindsay, if you're listening to this, fuck you! So, from this point, the season continues. We find out, because of the now changing weather, that incinerations only happen during solar eclipses. There are, of course, several incinerations because solar eclipses 
being one of three weathers, uh, are not uncommon by any means. Over the course of the season, of the regular season, we lose Reese Trombone, Bennett Browning, Brianna Chang, Juan Rangel, Paul Barnes, Theodore Passon, Miguel Javier, Chorby Sol, Natha Kath, Kendi Alstott, Velasquez Meadows, Ogden Mendoza, Sebastian Townsend, Atlas John Bois, Tyler Violet, Tiana Cash, Jorge Ito, Mateo Prestige, Sam Solis, Shaquille Torres, Blankenship Fisher, Mickey Santana, Hendrix Rangel, Sebastian Sunshine, Derek Kruger, who, uh, remember, was the replacement for the first ever incineration of Jalen Hotdog Fingers, and Isaac Rubberman. A moment of silence for, uh, those we tragically lost over the course of the regular season. <laughs> okay, moment over. So, the other notable thing that happens during the course of the regular season is we come around to Day 73. The Charleston Shoe Thieves are facing the Los Angeles Tacos. They are in the process of setting the record for the longest game ever at 54 minutes, threatening a spillover past the hour, meaning that all other games would have to be pushed back another hour. In the top of the 14th inning, they are tied at 14-14. The Shoe Thieves start gaining a lead, put up two more points, and then Moro Doyle hits a grand slam, pushing the score to 20-14. to 14. The bottom of the 15th, after one out, so after the Shoe Thieves, they get out, the Tacos go up to bat, in three pitches, a player strikes out, and the state of the game reverts back to the top of the 15th, no outs, and a 16-13 to 13 score. Everyone is extremely confused, and then Blaseball goes down again, this time not replaced with a blasphemy screen or anything that would indicate this was planned, but a 502 bad gateway error. <laughs> a siesta is subsequently declared. The ultimate weather. <laughs> bad computer. So, after, after the siesta happens, everyone is, is waiting for Blaseball to come back. It eventually does. When it returns, before we get the games back, the peanut shows back up and speaks, Hello. Did you taste the infinite? I am benevolent. I am a snack. I am a legume. I was benevolent. You are insatiable. Where is your restraint? I do wish that I had the self-esteem required to just march into a room and declare that I am a snack. Mm-hmm. It's something we all hope to attain. Baby, I'm a snack and you are insatiable. <laughs> now, the odd thing here is after the siesta finishes, the standings reflect both versions of this game. The Shoe Thieves have listed a record of 44 to 31 and the Tacos 30 to 45, which means that at the end of day 74, they each have 75 total games played, our first instance of more games per game than just one, with one extra win for the Thieves and one extra loss for the Tacos, and both one with one more game played than the rest of the league. This event 
becomes known as the Grand Unslam, a home run so powerful that it broke space-time and allowed the Shoe Thieves to steal another win. And is in the process of being acquired by Denny's to make a themed meal. (laughs) I think that if you go to Denny's and ask for a Grand Unslam, they just point you at the toilet. If you go to Denny's and ask for a grand unslam, legally they have to send one of the cooks to fist fight you in the parking lot. Anyways, uh, the rest of the regular season continues. It finishes off. The Hades Tigers uh, lead the regular season with 70-29. No records really set. Chicago Firefighters at the bottom of the pack, 35-64. to And so, which means going in to our postseason, we have from the Good League... The New York Millennials, the Dallas Stakes, the Charleston Shoothies, and the San Francisco Lovers. And from the Evil League, the Hades Tigers, the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, the Philly Pies. Remember, the Philly Pies have won the last two championships, meaning that they are one win away from Ascension, and the Canada Moist Talkers. The first round, we have the New York Millennials win over the Dallas Stakes after the Dallas Stakes suffer the incineration of Langley Wheeler. The San Francisco Lovers overtake the Charleston Shoe Thieves, the Shoe Thieves not able to put up the same performance that caused the Grand on Slam. The Hades Tigers beat the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, and the Philly Pies proceed on beating the Ukanda Moist Talkers. Entering in our semifinals, the New York Millennials versus the San Francisco Lovers, the New York Millennials take it 3-1, to one, and the Hades Tigers overtake the Philly Pies, our previous champions, perhaps helped by the fact that the Hades Tigers now have star hitter Jessica Telephone on their side, recently stolen from the Philly Pies. Now, one more thing happens before we hit our final, which is that following the semifinals, that fucking peanut shows up one more time. And what does the sexy peanut have to say this time? This time, the peanut says, So about the peanuts, the book was strike one. The fraud is strike two. You will learn discipline. Peanuts, get your peanuts while you still can. Very big don't make me come back there energy. Mm Mm-hmm. With this, players suddenly notice peanuts are now purchasable again at the mere price Of 1,000 peanuts for 1,000 coins. Is there any, like, smaller denomination you can buy them in? No, but 1,000 coins isn't that weird for for baseball. No, it's a- we're back to one for one. Well, it was- it was still one for one, it was just an unattainable amount of coins at that point. 1,000 coins is- is pretty easily attainable, um, as long as you've been, you know, playing for a couple days. Users immediately rush the store and ergo the peanut stands and crash the sights in their rampant hunger for peanuts, prompting another siesta. The internet's down again. (laughs) Nap time. Yep, during a siesta, all players must sleep. But the site returns and we have our finals. The New York Millennials versus the Hades Tigers. These are the first finals appearance of either of these teams. And it seems like a very tough match between these two, particularly because game two of the finals, the Hades Tigers in the bottom of the fifth, star player Landry Violence is incinerated. 
This is notable for a couple reasons. The first is that this is, of course, our first incineration during the finals. The second being that this is probably the biggest profile player to be incinerated so far. You know, every player in baseball has their... Everyone has their fans. Every team is going to feel strongly about its players. But with a name evocative like Landry Violence, Landry Violence was was a known quantity. It, it didn't hurt. They were also pretty strong in terms stat-wise. Landry Violence, baseball heart. Yeah, a, a four-star, a four-star batter. So Landry Violence is incinerated and replaced by Paula Turner. I should also note that Landry's Landry's death here, incineration here, leads to the coining or at least the spread of using the phrase rest in violence to refer to incinerated players. The two teams continue to battle it out until after five games going to the final possible game, the Hades Tigers come out victorious despite the loss of Landry Violence, perhaps, nay, inspired by the loss of Landry Violence and led by hitters like Fish Summer, Paula Turnip, and Jessica Telephone. Jessica Telephone, of course, now being uh, one of the first player to win a championship on two different teams, having previously won on the Philly Pies. And this is a through line for a lot of major sports movies. I'm not certain it is, because the, the Hades... Well, not the person not the person who's played for two separate teams, <laughs> but, like, the star player. Yes, yes, the... You know, maybe, maybe they pull a hamstring, maybe they're in a car accident, maybe they're incinerated. Yeah. And then everybody pulls together to go to the championship. For them. For them. It's for them. Remember the Titans, Evan. <laughs> The only sports movie I have ever Listen, watched. I was going to start talking about sports anime, which I've been getting back into, so you're, do- you're doing better Save than that me. for our sports anime recap podcast. Goodness, don't, don't inspire me. Uh, so, <laughs> that's the end of our postseason, that's the end of our finals. The Hades Tigers reign supreme, win the championship, which brings us to our favorite part of the election season, the election. I don't know if it's our favorite part of the baseball season, because... You know, there's a lot of baseball. Yeah. There's a lot to like. So, going into our election on the ballot for decrees, we have on our decree ballot, this time there are, once again, two decrees will win. We have Eat the Rich, redistribute the funds from the top 1% of fans at the end of each season. Eat the Crust, five players from the two-time champion pies will be reassigned to random teams. Interviews, get to know the players. Late stage, postseason bet payouts increase each round two times, three times, and five times, and blaze running, stolen bases are worth 0.1 runs. Winning for the decrees are interviews, passing with 33% of the vote, and Eat the Rich, also passing with 33% of the vote. Eat the Rich immediately activates. Each 99%er receives 193 coins from the top 1% of coin havers. Uh, I believe it is estimated that the 1% were people with above around 9,000 coins in the bank at that point. And it is mentioned that so the people have spoken, so shall it continue. So Eat the Rich will continue, as we know, to a point, but we're not getting in to any court cases just yet. <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to save that for We're later. saving that. 
That's a story for another time. But instead, let's go back to interviews, because I skipped over the effects of interviews. Yes, and if there's one thing, or rather, if there's two things that I know that baseball fans love, it is socialism and parasocial interactions. <laughs> I, You know what? I, does it... Is it para... Yeah, you know what? I was gonna say, like, I don't know if it's parasocial if, like, they're characters. But I feel like, I guess, you know, there's there's certainly something there. So, the effects of interviews. First off, what is presented to players. The microphone lifts. Error. The grand unslam weakened the bridge. Space-time tears over Los Angeles. The infinite cities shine. Platonic form corrupted... You've looked too close. That seems fine. Seems fine. So let's talk about some of the the two big effects there that are immediately noticeable. The first is that interviews happen. So previously, our only indication of player ability was just a star rating. So as mentioned, Landry Violence was a four-star hitter. But that's all you knew. You knew he was a four-star hitter. Now, you can go further into a player's stat and see, firstly, their vibe, their current vibe, and then their stats broken down into four categories, batting, pitching, base running, and defense. You also get some fun stats about them, including their evolution, their pregame ritual, their coffee style, their blood type, and their fate number. Also, their soul scream. A couple of these things, we don't know what they mean even now. What, you mean- Okay, Evan, I don't- Did you ever collect baseball cards as a kid? Because I did. I collected Pokemon cards. I collected baseball cards because they came with Big League Chew, mm. which I liked a lot because I love bubble gum, and I especially love bubble gum that has a lot of surface area for, like, the powdered sugar to stick to, and that's what Big League Chew was. <laughs> but they did come with baseball cards, and the baseball cards did mention, like, the player's soul screen. Mm. Did you did you happen to have like a rookie Barry Bonds? Like, do you know what his soul scream was? No, I kept getting Daryl Strawberry for some reason. Mm. The other effect besides this new insight into player information is that the Los Angeles tacos become the unlimited tacos. Yes. I know that name. You do know that name. I'm so glad they're here now. <laughs> so that's the first two very noticeable effects. Let's go into our blessings. So, going, of course, in the order in which they were awarded, first by ranking in the regular season, Bloodlust blesses the Hades Tigers maxing out Yasmin Mason's pitching stats. Exile blesses the Hades Tigers. They get to send their worst hitter, Alyssa Harrell, to the New York Millennials and receive McLaughlin Scorpler in return. Go Away blesses the Philly Pies, who send away their worst pitcher, Kevin Dudley, and receive Forrest Bookbaby in return from the Charleston Shoe Thieves. Evil Wind Spirits blesses the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, the increasing their base running by 15%. Notably, the Jazz Hands whimdy this. They won with 1% of the vote. The Hades Tigers also won Exile with 2% of the vote. The Highway Robbery blesses the Jack the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, not the Jackenridge Braz Hands. That's for season 19. Yes, Highway <laughs> Highway Robbery, which notably Highway Robbery Red steal the best player in the league. Going into this election, most people assumed that this was Jessica Telephone. 
However, the Jazz Hands steal Nagomi McDaniel from the Hawaii Fridays and send Bevan Underbuck back in return. Nagomi McDaniel, who ate a peanut, had a yummy reaction during the season, and is now apparently the best player in Internet League baseball. What a shakeup. The Summoning Circle blesses the Kansas City Breathments. They re-roll the hitting of their three lowest hitters. They get decent returns on this. One half a star to two and a half stars, half a star to two stars, and one star to three stars. Pretty good returns across three pitchers. The Rack also blesses the Kansas City Breathments, increasing their defense by 15%. Rigor Mortis blesses the Houston Spies, which should have decreased the base running of the Canada Moist Talkers, the Miami Dolly, and the Seattle Garages, and the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, those in the same division as the Houston Spies. It should have decreased their base running by 10%. We will learn that due to an error, this actually increased all their base running by 10%. So, poor luck to the Houston Spies there as they buffed all their competitors in their division. Pretty Please blesses the Seattle Garages, improving their hitting by 3%. Pseudo Thumbs blesses the Seattle Garages, improving their pitching by 10%. Headhunter blesses the Baltimore Crabs, who steal Nagome McDaniel from the Breckenridge Jazz Hands and send Holden Stanton back in return. You know, one time when I was at the beach, a crab took one of my french fries and scuttled away, but I think this might top it in terms of crab thievery. Well, particularly if you had imagined if you had just stolen those french fries from someone else, and you were about to indulge in your ill-gotten fries, only to have those then stolen. And you can't go after the crab. It's got pincers. It'll get you. <laughs> So yes, I, I believe this will set and maintain the record for the uh, shortest tenure on a team, given that is less than a second. Anti-capitalism blesses the unlimited tacos, maxing out the anti-capitalism attribute, which is a hidden stat of all the tacos players. We're still not certain exactly what anti-capitalism does, either. It's generally considered based on how some other blessings have taken effect that it is somehow a defensive stat, but we're really not certain. I assume at some point in the game, a guillotine just shows up. <sighs> Maybe. <laughs> you know what? It's possible. The Unlimited Tacos also win exploratory surgeries, and they get some bad rolls here, because exploratory surgeries was going to, Red, re-roll the pitching stat of your worst three pitchers. Can I just take a moment to remark on what an absolutely fucking cursed phrase you've won exploratory surgeries? <laughs> As the tacos see Wyatt Mason's pitching from be randomized from 1.5 to 0.5, Wyatt Mason's pitching is then randomized again from 0.5 to 0.5, and then Wyatt Mason's pitching is randomized once more from 0.5 to 0. Now, 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 there are a couple things. The first obvious thing is like, wow, that's a really unlucky run because they just re-rolled their worst pitcher three times and their worst pitcher only got worse. But the other thing is that this is, this might be confusing for someone who hasn't started looking through the player list yet because Wyatt Mason 
wasn't a pitcher. Wyatt Mason was a hitter. Except, if we then go look at the Tacos roster at this point, every player, every player on the Taco has had their name changed to Wyatt Mason. The unlimited no! Tacos filled with Wyatt Masons. So is this, this the sort of thing where, like, my name was, I don't know, I'm gonna make up a baseball name at random. My name is Crane Dance Jenkins, and all of a sudden my name is changed to Wyatt Mason, or am I just transmuted into Wyatt? You know, the most feasible explanation I can come up with is that Los Angeles being split across space-time, since the stats of these players did not change. Instead, we have the infinite possibilities where Wyatt Mason is each of these players. So. The infinite Wyatt theorem. Infinite possibilities, infinite Wyatts, all tacos are Wyatt Mason. So. Continuing on, because we have three more blessings to go to, all going to the firefighters. They win Vulture, stealing the best pitcher, Axel Trollolo, from the Kansas City Breathments. <laughs> this is probably a an, another blow to the Kansas City Breathments, who you might recall stole Axel last season, after Axel was already maxed out, and had previously had Polkadot Patterson stolen from them after Polkadot Patterson was maxed out. Blazeball really did say, I'll be deep in the cold, cold ground before I recognize Missouri. <laughs> So the Chicago Firefighters steal Axel Trollo and send back Atlas Guerra. They also win team building exercise, randomizing three stats. Again, they get solid improvements here. Zero to two and a half stars on one of your favorites, Joshua Butt. Half a star to love three. Love that Jay Butt. <laughs> love the Butt. A half a star to three and a half stars for Edric Tosser and a half a star to three and a half stars for Paulo Mason. And finally, they also win performance enhancing demons, enhancing their overall attributes by 8%. So strong showing by the firefighters after their last place showing in the league. And that's that's it for season 3 of Blaseball. We know that coming up there is going to be a one week at this point. I know this is a little confusing. We're currently in a grand grand siesta, we'll say. The first extended siesta which became known as a grand siesta is now going to occur after season 3. A one-week siesta. Okay, I'm sorry. A grand grand siesta is just going to fucking sleep, okay? <laughs> well, remember, during a siesta, all players must sleep. You can't call it a nap anymore. You're going to fucking bed. <laughs> but yes, there will be a one-week grand siesta following season three. But that is the season of Peanuts. That is the season three. Lee, do you have, any, do you have anything you want to... You Any questions? Any comments? Anything you want to go over for season three? I want to know if I want to know if the hot peanut shows up again. Well, we know that the peanut shows up. Is it the same peanut? Yeah. Because for, forgive me, Evan. These games kind of have a high turnover rate. The the for all I know, this <sighs> peanut that is like in our current iteration of baseball is like. J. Warren Legumington the fifth or something. It's funny you say that. God damn it! I'm not I'm not gonna get into it because I'm saving it. I'm saving it. I'm saving it. But that does have relevance for the recent court cases. You know, this peanut, as far as we know, this will remain the same peanut as we've already seen the we're we're seeing possibly the rise of the peanut having 
seen its climax and, and fall already. Yeah, that's season three. So, as as always, if, if there's nothing else, I, I have to ask you, Lee, what are you hoping for in the next season of Blaseball? What I'm hoping for in the next season of Blaseball is that the computer program that is running the peanut transactions gains sentience and becomes evil. <laughs> in a way you... Hmm, alright, we're not... Like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> I, I don't... Like, if we're talking... In context, maybe a little bit, if we're talking, like, overall. Uh, I don't have the logs, so I could not tell you whether or not the game band currently has control over their server and are just feigning any control over, over Blaseball, but truly it has become a monster under its own. I can't confirm anything. Teach the controversy, Evan. Ah, <laughs> oh, well then, until next time, I've of course been Evan Saft. You can find me on Twitter, at NamesEquip. Uh, you can find both of us on our other podcast, Rollout, where we play a Queer as Fuck mass campaign. And Lee, you want to take it from here? Yes, as always, thank you for listening. My name is Eli Lee. You can find me on Twitter at It's Hamhawks. And until next time, if you have to re-roll your stats, I hope that you don't get worse. <laughs> nice. Thanks to the garages for letting us use their song, and I mean all gods, as our theme. You can find more music that they've written about baseball at thegarages.bandcamp.com.